This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by Locked On MLB. Join baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully every day on Locked On MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past, featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Locked On MLB Network's team of local experts, and insightful analysis of the day's biggest stories. Locked On MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. It's the best team in baseball edition of Locked on White Sox. Let's go. White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 go. Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! You can put it on the board! Yeah! Oh, it's a perfect game! Right out goes! Grand slam! A White Sox winner and a world championship! Jimenez! He's your hero tonight! Thanks, Cubs! The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. That is Lawrence spelled backwards. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Go there and subscribe right now. 312-566-8727 is the number you can call for our voice message system or locked on socks at gmail.com. Without any further ado, it is Chris Tannehill. Chris, glorious evening. It truly is. Uh, you could say it, it's one of the best evenings, uh, as in best team in baseball type of best. Uh, right, Bill Walton? The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. That's right, folks. As you sit here, June 17th, the White Sox currently own the best record in baseball when you're waking up this morning, so it's got to feel good. Uh, the division lead is still only four and a half games, as the Orioles did absolutely no favors for the White Sox. Um, you know, they 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 rolled over for the Sox when they played them, and they did just the same for the Tribe. And uh, if you just go search that clip uh, on the Indians' Twitter page, uh, that uh, botched rundown with Jose Ramirez, and it's it's enough to make you sick, uh, but it's not sick enough to overpower this great feeling that you have after the White Sox beat the Rays eight to seven yesterday and what was a really wild game a really you know just ridiculously entertaining game uh, among two of the best teams in all of baseball and uh, it was a, a game where the Sox had a pretty significant lead early and then Tampa Bay crawls back as the American League champion is one to do and this one was uh, was decided really by uh, bullpen Clutch hitting and just you know the 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 guile the the perseverance of a team who has dealt with it all season long and per usual it's the role players coming up big but also the stars contributing as well and we'll get to all that in a second here but uh, we begin where we always begin her by the man on the mound and Lucas Giolito got the start yesterday he goes six innings four hits three runs they were all earned two walks seven strikeouts I think the most surprising thing about that line is the six innings pitched because yes. as we watch this game transpire uh, he was uh, you know cruising early and you know I, I look at that fourth inning 
um, you know, Rosarena getting the first hit for the Rays across the board, and with one away, Giolito responds by getting Choi swinging on a, just a filthy pitch where you may have seen it. It looked like uh, G-Man Choi was pimping a strikeout because he got him so good, and he made him look so foolish. The bat goes flying towards second base, and, and G-Man Choi just had to try to look cool as he was getting punched out by Lucas there. And then, uh, you know, as he gets Meadows uh, on another changeup as well to end the inning, he had a little something for anyone that was willing to listen there. He was fired up, barking at anyone in the general direction. But Lucas looked really good through four. And then things started to fall apart a little bit. Uh, that fifth inning was really the Leury Garcia inning. Lucas starts to lose it a bit, starts to give up some hard contact. After your guy, Mr. Wendell, let off with a double, uh, Lucas gets Margot to ground out. And uh, Leori makes a hell of a play to not only keep the ball in the infield, but he's able to nail Margot with a strong peg to first. G. Little gets deeper into trouble. He gives up the two-run double to Kiermaier and then a walk to Zanino. And then he gets that big ground ball off the bat of a Rosarena and Leori with another spectacular play, a great pick over there, saving a run and ending the inning. So uh, a great job there, but two great defensive plays by Leori Garcia. Just, you know, he's having a great month. I think his OBP is up in the 400s the past 20 games or so and playing a hell of a defense over there wherever you plug him in. And that those two plays there in that fifth, fifth inning loom large. Oh, yeah. Lurie uh, will give credit when he does do well. And he was playing the, the hot corner today uh, like Michael Jack Smith. That's why I call him Lurie Jack Smith. <laughs> he looked excellent, like picking it like no other, getting the pegs over there. Meanwhile, Margot is not a slow runner. That is a rocket shot that he stopped pivoted and got him out by plenty with an accurate throw. It's it's good to see that our replacements are rising up to the level where they are replacement level or above. And Lurie's doing a good job as of late. I crapped on him early, famously say that he's terrible. But once in a while, the Lurie comes through with his versatility in the outfield and now playing the middle infield and the hot corner. And uh, you had a bit of a you had, you had uh, a back and forth with uh, the great Ryan McGuffey and Slavko over at NBC Sports Chicago uh, about Lucas Giolito, and we were watching this game, and and after he he's getting knocked around in the fifth, you know that was the uh, you know getting close to the third time through there, and you see him there getting rocked a little bit, and then you're just like, no way he's going to come back out for the six, but then he does. Um, explain what what you were thinking when Lucas came back out for that sixth inning. It was just like, why are we doing this? We saw what Lucas did in the fifth inning and the fourth inning where contact is being made. It's kind of hard, and he's almost at his pitch limit. I think when he left the fifth inning, it was somewhere in the 90s. So it's a good representative uh, appearance for him to earn runs. That's it. But give this game over to your bullpen. Give those guys some some credit and see if they can get the last four innings. But I knew nece- not necessarily that he was going to give up a home run in the next inning, but I knew that what he did in the fifth inning was an anomaly. That was real. He was getting tired or gassed, and they were just sitting on his curve or his changeup at the end of it, even though it worked to perfection. Some of those times what you're saying with the uh, medals at, at bat and G-Man Choi at bat, those were great changeups, but this one and uh, I knew it was going to get rocketed because they were just sitting on it in the fifth inning and then in the sixth inning, that rocket home run right there by uh, Diaz, it was it was meant to be. I'm going to preface everything that we say after this, like it comes with this caveat. At the time, 
we did not know going into this one that Tony was looking to not necessarily save Liam Hendricks and avoid using him, but it certainly seemed to to play out that way when you look at the you know the the box score here and you look at who got the innings and when you know so it was pretty clear that once Liam Hendricks was up and they didn't use him, they were not willing to go back to him. So it kind of changes the dynamic of the ball game a bit in terms of how it's managed when you take your closer out of the equation. And, and I think maybe that was just something that Tony said no matter what. He, he says to the media after the game, like, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to do everything I can to not have Liam Hendricks in this game because he felt like it was a usage issue. He threw 20 something odd pitches the night before. Uh, but, you know, a couple days off there, and then the Saturday blowout, he, I wouldn't say he's been overused, but again, this is one of those things we're not privy to, the discussions behind closed doors, how do guys feel. Uh, it was just, uh, it was odd, because uh, let's skip right ahead to that eighth inning, uh, the inning of consequence, really, as the mm-hmm. race got back in this ball game. I, I've liked everything I've seen from Aaron Bummer of late. I think the slider's got some depth, and he's able to locate a bit better. So I have no problem with Aaron Bummer being the bridge guy to Liam Hendricks. I think that he's fine. And, and the only way that he's can, he can be the Aaron Bummer that we know and love is if he's just put him out there in a role where he knows every time so he can feel comfortable knowing that, okay, this is my inning, and, and, I'm, and I'm the bridge to this thing. So he comes out there, and he doesn't you know elicit a, a ton of uh, hard contact there. And Brasso gets on due to the arrow by Danny Mendick there. And that was a tough break, and you kind of felt, had that bad feeling no matter how it was going to go down. You're like, okay, here we go. Because the Meadows comes up after that, singles. So then you have runners uh, at, uh, at at first and third. At that point, it's a 7-5 it's a to five game. And then Yanni Diaz grounds out making it seven to six that was almost a double play that that was mm-hmm. made um you know tim just did not have a have a real good shot at it didn't get a lot on the on the throw uh you know just it, it was a tough play you know i, I don't think most and look reminiscent to the throw that he had that he threw into the dugout a couple games ago so i think maybe a little gun shy to, to just let it go like he did that time so that probably factored into it yeah so you know aaron bummer does the job in, in essence you know he gives up the single yeah but you, you want to minimize the damage so he's able to get a ground ball which is huge and usually you get your turn two on that one but this is not the case sometimes it's just how it goes but then he gets uh mejia to strike out and then you're thinking, okay, here we go. Like Aaron Bummer's on, got this under control. Things have not imploded, so to speak. And then we see Tony come out of the dugout, and he's motioning for the righty to come out. And we're like, okay, here we go, baby. Liam Hendricks is coming on for that four-out save. But no, uh, it was Evan Marshall actually coming out for the the remainder of the eighth. And it was just it was a curious move at the time. And again, again, everything is informed by what we know after the game now that they were trying to save. Liam Hendricks at all costs, but I just I, I found it odd. I found it kind of a, a panicky move, and I'm not down on Evan Marshall whatsoever. If anything, I would have thrown him in the spot where you had Hoyer. But then again, maybe it's a trust issue because you saw Hoyer get knocked around a bit. So maybe he's think, think Tony's thinking, okay, who's my best right-handed arm here? That's not Liam Hendricks. So you know, it, it's it's not an anti-Evan Marshall thing, but it certainly was a puzzling move. Not not to bring him in. Per se, but when he brought him in, I think was was an odd choice there. What do you think about that move made by Tony? Very much so. I was thinking that Aaron Bummer deserved to finish out that inning. And I know Manuel Marcos splits versus lefties are much better than versus righties. But as I think Matt Spiegel said on the air today, that Aaron Bummer is like a, a guy that you can face righties and lefties. 
he is filthy. I mean, he's not the Aaron Bummer that we saw a couple of years ago, but he's still having a above average season. And this outing he had right here was pretty good. The air is what tripped him up there. A soft single to right field and then a double play, a ball that might have been a double play if Timmy's not gun shy, which I think it was. But soft contact and that run comes in. So I thought that Aaron Bummer should have finished that inning at the very worst. And when he motioned, like you said, I was like, here we go. Liam Hendricks. That's a great move. Get the guy out there for multiple innings. And I don't necessarily like him with traffic, Yeah, but he's a closer. So these are the four outs he has to get. And he's the guy that gets more than three out saves back in his Oakland days. So I was thinking, okay, here we go. But when he went with Marshall, I was like, even if it goes right, Marshall, who was up 0-2 on that uh, Manuel Margot, yep. and just struggled. Even yeah. if it goes well and he strikes him out there, I'm still saying it's the wrong move. Yeah. And so it was just like, I, I mean, even knowing that I'm still quibble, quibble about that, why would Liam Hendricks get days off because he pitched, what, 20 pitches the time before? What, last night or two nights before? Yeah. So, no, it's not necessary for Liam Hendricks to get the rest. I understand they're talking about the four games in Houston and they'll need them, but you're going to have to have your closer available to you more than um, two or two, three times a week. He has to be available like five times a week at minimum. And uh, I was talking to Speaks, and we were talking about that rain delay last Friday and we're speculating, you know, Liam Hendricks starts, gets warm, and, and, and comes out and, and throws, you know, uh, one pitch and then one <laughs> one pitch off into the dugout. <laughs> um, but maybe, you know, then he comes Lunatic. then he comes back out and gets rocked a little bit. So maybe he's not someone that's comfortable. Maybe he's a guy that doesn't need a ton of time to get ready. Um, but once he gets ready, like he that's it. He's ready and he doesn't want to have to sit down, get cold and then get warm. 40 again. minutes. Yeah. So, you know, who knows when he's going to get back in the game if that at that point if he's not you. So what happens? Uh, Marshall gives up the the double to Margot and eventually gets out of it with the ground out to Kiermaier. But uh, the game was tied at that point, and here we go. You know, you're you're up against one of the best teams in baseball, and you're you're thinking, all right, here we go. It's you know, I didn't feel too good about that about that game uh, at that point. And uh, game ball today, uh, I got to give it to uh, to Ryan Burr, man. Ryan Burr uh, comes on. And and he just he gets the job done when he pitches the top half of the tenth. And I've got some sound for you to play. You're going to hear from a lot of folks today. You're going to hear from Kevin Cash talking about Jose Abreu. You hear from Yaz after his walk off. But here's Ryan Bird just t- you know talking about stepping up at the end of that game. Went out there and just tried to make my pitches, and um, some were good, some were bad, um, but we came out on top. Anything else for uh, Ryan Bird this afternoon? All right, Ryan. Thank you, sir. Go Sox, baby. Go Sox. <laughs> what a meatball, Ryan Burr. I love it. That's, that's the dude now. Awesome. But, but he but getting the job done in a tough spot. Uh, you know, as as we you know finish out talking about the pitching staff today, that's that's a job well done by a guy who hasn't pitched a lot this year, but just pounding the strike zone. I think he threw ten pitches, eight of them for strikes. That was a nice job. Uh, by Ryan Burr with the runner on second base uh, and holding the line right there. That was that was a job well done. And full disclosure, when I heard that Ryan Burr is coming in in the 10th inning, I was like, oh, it's not a good move. I don't like it at all. They're I mean, punting. Like, you know, they're, yeah. they don't want to, like, you know, they want this thing to be over before they go into Houston so they don't, you know, burn through all their guys. That's, like, yeah. kind of the vibe and, it had, yeah. And the guy who went out and did his job and did an awesome job with the guy at second, and like you said, he stayed right there. It's 
a testament to his work. And I came off of a Tommy John surgery and to be in a situation like that for a first place team, like the white Sox, now the best team in the major league baseball and come through it's instills confidence in himself and meatball Ryan Burr, go sacks. Uh, <laughs> it's good to have him on board. And I remember pitching when 2019, he was all right. He was fine. Uh, but I was not a fan of the move. Initially. I was like, you know, Ruiz has shown you some high leverage situations where you can get people out. Why don't you use him? He was already up throwing. He was. But, you know, that was the only thing. I was like, all right, putting like a very inexperienced pitcher out there who's coming off Tommy John to carry you into the 10th inning without any blemishes, even if he gives up that run, was going to be a tough move for me. So kudos to Tony. Kudos to Ryan Burr. Yeah, sometimes you just get into one of these dog fights with a really good team and, you know, you just you, you applaud everyone for just getting you through an inning. Uh, Evan Marshall is able to come on for the ninth as well uh, with with a scoreless inning there to keep the game alive. So we'll, we'll take a quick time out. We'll talk about the offense today. Now that we got all the all the stuff that we're going to – our little – you know, we got little problems with certain things here and there. We'll, we'll, we'll brush that aside. We're, we'll move on and we'll talk about the good things that happened and uh, how the Sox got to this point of being the best team in baseball. That's next here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Wealthfront. You know, stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax-loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Weatherfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash MLB. That's Wealthfront.com slash MLB. All you need to get started is 500 bucks. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed slash MLB to start growing your savings, go to Wealthfront.com slash MLB and get started today. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport. With the help of our local experts, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. By the way, on the Odyssey app, you can find our show on there. If you are a listener of 670 The Score, you know we're on there. Go back and listen to the Lance Lynn interview that we did on the Parkinson Spiegel show on uh Tuesday afternoon. It was yes. awesome. He was just um, he was really good. We tried to bait him and get him to swear on the on the radio. He wouldn't do it. Thank you, Lance Lynn. You're my guy forever for that. Uh, but he talked about being a big dude and shaming big people. And he also just talked about his evolution and the way he sees uh you know players in the game his contemporaries as far as young guys coming up he he had something really insightful in there about when he was a younger guy he was basically raised and taught like oh yeah you don't show your personality just come up do your job you know be you know seen not heard but now he sees now with these young guys coming up and succeeding guys like Tatis and you know and anyone else you want to think about you know the Acunas of the world they come on and they're superstars because they're able to be themselves from day one so I thought that was really insightful stuff but go back and check out the interview on the Odyssey app um 
offense yesterday, Herb. Um, obviously, when you score eight runs, usually with the with the White Sox pitching staff, that's more than enough to get it done. And you're thinking, oh man, this one's going to be a laugher all the way. And uh, with the the offensive struggles of late, you know, the, you know, offense has not been overwhelming by any means. But uh, today they certainly showed out and. Let's start with Jose Abreu, who did a lot of good things yesterday. And as I'm writing my game notes, Herb, uh, I'm looking at Jose Abreu's previous at-bat where Mm -hmm. he just looked horrendous. Uh, Striking out, whiffing outside of the strike zone, chasing bad pitches, non-competitive pitches he's been chasing seemingly for the last couple weeks at least. Um, since uh, Basically since he came back from that uh, collision there in the Royals series and they had the great game-winning slide, he's kind of been inconsistent a little bit. And maybe he's doing the thing where Jose Abreu likes to put too much on his own shoulders. But he looked bad, right? And then looked caught in between is the best way I can put it. Like he he took a changeup right over the heart of the plate. And I'm like, oh, God, this guy, he's in baseball hell right now. He's so caught in between. And I don't know how he gets out of this one. Oh, how does he get out of it? Oh, here, in the next pitch. <laughs> Jose cracks his ball to left field. It is out of here. So, you know, if you are, you know, Yarbrough and you think you can get two change-ups by Jose Abreu in the heart of the strike zone, that's probably a bad idea. But uh, it was nice to see him break out, and that was a big spot in that ball game early for uh, for Pito to contribute and go yard there. Because as we know, ball go far, team go far, and that was just good to see from Jose Abreu yesterday. Yeah, just uh, once again, another game where the White Sox hit, went, hit a home run and another game that they win. Jose Abreu within that at bat, and I think the strikeout was like on a – a fastball that just he thought was going to cut on the in, outside of corner, but it stayed in the left-hander's batter's box pretty much the whole time, and he looked really bad in the second inning on that strikeout, first or second inning. Then he comes up in that fourth, and you show me the time where he just takes that changeup, and I go back and look at it. I was like, man, filthy pitch right down the middle. Like That's what you what you wish for. That's what you yep. hope for. Yep. Like I don't know why you would be sitting fastball exclusively in that in that count, not looking for a changeup, especially the guy featured it in your first at bat. And then the next the next time he <laughs> sees that changeup, he murders it. He just absolutely kills it. It's just a good professional hitter where every time I worry about him, he does something like that. He's like, okay, I got you guys, you know. I'll struggle and I look bad within that bat. And then that same at bat, I remember this rookie year, he would crush a home run. He's still that guy. And that's awesome to see that he's uh, being so good as at in-game, in-at-bat adjustments to uh, affect the game in a positive way with this home run to left center. And he did it a, a, a few times to help the team out yesterday and Kevin Cash the manager of the Rays spoke to that effect uh, and sometimes we talk about Jose Abreu and he's he's our guy and he's our MVP and we, we see the, the the blemishes though you know because we see him every day you know so uh, what does Kevin Cash see when he sees Jose Abreu especially after that game he had yesterday yeah yeah it's kind of like pick your poison I mean they're right sitting there three four five um, and you know Abreu he, he's so good and, and, and pretty selfless I mean it's pretty impressive to watch that guy's career speaks for itself but there were two at bats where he just basically gave himself up to move runners uh and ultimately that was that's the game i mean moving the getting the guy extra innings getting him over from second to third um he's he's one hang of a player 
Kevin Cash, of course, talking about the 10th inning there where you have the runner starting on second base, Vaughn. And I'm skipping ahead here, so if we, we can go back and, and talk about some of the other performances, but th- th- it ties into what I'm talking about here and what Kevin Cash is talking about. So Andrew Vaughn starts at second. Jose Abreu uh, grounds out, gets the job done, You know, get, gets the runner over to third, which is all you really need at that point. And, uh, of course, that brings up uh, Yasmani Grandal uh, in the spot to potentially win the game for the White Sox. Brian Burr in the top of the 10th did his job magnificently. Yes! Right field! And the White Sox! have the best record in Major League Baseball. Walk it off, yes. 8-7 your final. Just an absolutely great moment. We got our fix of the most aesthetically pleasing thing on the White Sox team. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Luis Roberts' hair. I'm talking about the left-handed batter's box bat drop from Yasmani Grandal after he knows he really gets a hold of one. And it was the, the situation where you get the privilege of the uh, bat drop without having it to have be, be a home run because he knew he was going to be deep enough to get the run in. And the only question would be, would it stay fair? And he knew it right away. And, uh, it was just uh, one of the great moments of this season. I think uh, this game, that moment there, could be a watershed moment for the White Sox, and it was just a, an awesome cap to what was just a, an insane game. Yeah, it was awesome to see. I thought, especially when I saw the bat drop, I was like, yeah, we clipped it too? Nice, nice th- job to walk it <laughs> off, baby, a home run. But, you know, he give us a bonus bat drop right there for that sharp single. I loved it. Uh, electricity that series that that win gives you for that series like i know people and myself included say you know there's no big series every game counts as the others and they do but you can't deny the feelings you have that you beat a top team they were the american league record best record holder before they came into this ball and they were red hot too coming in this to the series they were hot as hell Exactly. And you took two out of three from those people and they were all great contest, hotly contested games. And it felt playoff atmosphere like, and I felt it in my bones is like, man, to win two out of three from Tampa. Awesome. And I don't know if I would, if we would have lost that game, I definitely would have felt depressed about it. Not necessarily because of losing two out of three, but that would have been part of it, but it's the way we would have done it, giving up a five run lead, but winning this, even though there were some bad things, feels awesome. Feels like that was a measuring stick. You passed the first one. Now you go to Houston, pass a four-game one on the road. So we'll, we'll preview that Houston series in the next segment, but in terms of it being a measuring stick and can you take anything from this series, and you've heard mixed uh, reactions to that point. You heard Lance Lynn saying the other night after his start, it's June who gives a shit after they lose the first game, and you heard Dallas Keuchel after the game two nights ago say, yeah, you know, you, you can build on stuff like that. I think he's speaking on it only on a personal sense because he had his best outing in a White Sox uniform, so obviously he's going to take things from that outing and bring it to his next outing the next time he takes the mound. So uh, what does Yasmani Grandal think about a game like that? Is uh, Can you take anything from that? Uh, I mean, it doesn't say anything. The best, best team in baseball is the one that stands alone at the end of the season. So, And it's still a long season. Uh, we just got to keep on playing. 
And I think that's the best way to look at it. I mean, what a, an incredible team effort. Uh, it's a team that's hungry. You have a, a really good mix, and it's why I was so high on this team bef- even before the injuries and even after. It's just that they have a good mix of young guys who don't know any better and and veterans who have been there and also veterans who are hungry enough and, and, and want to take that next step. So that's why I really like the mix on this team, and this was kind of a just a – a perfect avatar victory of of what this team can accomplish uh, when they're undermanned and and they just they're they're doing by and large they're doing most of the right things on the baseball field getting runners over getting them in uh, coming up with a big clutch hit you know even though it's it's a great team effort because your pitching staff didn't give you a ton of support uh, but the offense was finally able to to come up with some runs of their own and and make it all better at the end of the day so you you look up and down this box score guys contributing you know they they pound out 12 hits uh, to get those eight runs, you know, two hits from Tim Anderson. You know, he didn't come through there in the ninth, but still two hits. Uh, three hits from Vaughn, a, a career high. Three hits for Andrew Vaughn. Uh, Abreu with the hit. Uh, Grandal with that big hit there at the end. Jake Lamb with it. Hey, it's me. I'm Jake Lamb. Uh, Leary Garcia with the hit. Zach Collins with two hits. Now they were they weren't missiles. They weren't rocket shots. But I'm checking the uh, box score here. Yes, they still count as two hits. And even looked like, Dan- looked like a line drive in the old box score. So, and even Danny Mendick with a big hit there uh, in the ninth inning. They weren't able to get him over or in, but uh, that, w- that was a big spot for Danny Mendick right there. So you can get burned by any of these guys in this lineup because they're, they're all feeling it. And they all feel, you know, uh, the other last thing I have on my notepad before we move on here, uh, Brian Goodwin. Uh, executing, laying that bunt down early on in the ball game. Not only is he producing, but he's getting that bunt down. Oh, he's going to be Tony's – goodbye, Jake Lamb. See you later, man. You're <laughs> done. You're done, Jake Lamb. Hi, you're Jake Lamb. You're done because Brian Goodwin can lay a bunt down and he can also go deep on you. So uh, that the, the relationship between Brian Goodwin and Tony La Russa, I look forward to seeing that blossom even further as we get deeper into this season here. So just uh, an awesome, awesome win. And, the, 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 you know, I think the sky's the limit for this team, man. And there's going to be ups and downs. And I thought this game was going to be one of those downs, you know, the the, the, the agony of defeat type of games. Because baseball season in a, in a full 162 has plenty of those moments where you look back and you're like, oh, that was a really – that was a gut-wrenching loss right there. That was a game that you had. You let a team back in and you, and you couldn't put them away. But, no, it wasn't meant to be with the Sox team. So it's just uh, I could not be more impressed with where they're at right now. I wish the Orioles could have helped out the Sox a little bit, but that lead is still four and a half after the Tampa Bay Rays came into town. And I, I think I would take that if you would have asked me at the beginning of the series. So uh, any last uh, thoughts about this team, this series, what it means going forward, any of that before we preview the Astros series? Kudos to Rick Hahn for putting a team together that's winning at this clip. Kudos to the players for not making excuses for themselves to, you know, big time injuries and they can be looking down at themselves and kudos to the leaders out there keeping these guys up and keeping them playing well. So it's, it's amazing that they're at this point. I did not expect it. I don't know if many people expected it, especially after the injuries, but the white Sox are the best team in major league baseball right now, as we stand here at June 17th. All right, I'll take a quick timeout. Preview the Astro series next here on locked on white Sox. locked on white Sox is brought to you by bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. There's so many things you could bet on each and every day at BetOnline.ag. It's got all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including baseball 
basketball, hockey, and even your UFC MMA action. Got a huge series with the Cardinals this week. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest news and odds, and you can sign up for bonuses and contest information. If you're someone who likes to play the Dow, you can bet on what the final digit of the Dow is going to be each and every day, okay? When I tell you they have everything, they have everything. I'm also looking at the hot dog eating contest this year, Joey Chestnut. Right now, the over-under set at 74 and a half hot dogs for Joey Chestnut for for Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, the hot dog eating contest for this year. You want to bet on the New York lottery? You can do that. You can bet on whether or not the number is going to be odd or even. I'm telling you, they've got all your betting needs covered here at Bet Online. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget our promo code. Locked on at Bet Online. That's promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by rockauto.com. Folks, summer's coming. You better start planning those road trips if you haven't already. I know I've got three or four in mind all ready to go for this summer, but before I go anywhere, I need to make sure that my car is running the way it should. And if I need any parts for my car, I know there's only one place to go, and that's our friends at rockauto.com because there's so many different makes and models of cars these days. It's become impossible to find all the parts that your car is going to need at your traditional chain storefront. You go in these places, and you ask the person behind the counter, and you sit there, and you wait in line, and no one wants to wait in line in a store these days. And they punch up the stock that they have on their computer only in their warehouse only. Why limit yourself to those limited choices when you have access to the most vast library of auto parts online at rockauto.com. Our friends at rockauto.com, they're a family business and they've been serving customers just like you and I online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Rockauto.com's got everything from engine control modules to brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com they're always going to be reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers they're not like these big box chain storefronts why spend up to twice as much when you don't have to go to rockauto.com and when you go there please do me a favor write locked on in their how'd you hear about us box so they know that your friends at locked on white Sox sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need only at rockauto.com Sox head down to Houston. Uh, no Stony this weekend. He is off. If you're watching the television broadcast, it will be uh, Gordon Beckham in with Jason Benetti doing the uh, the Sox games this week. So we'll, we'll see what that's going to sound like. Um, I'm sure uh, Jason will 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 you know bring out the best in Gordon. But uh, there's certainly a good matchup here with the Houston Astros. Look at where they stand in terms of uh, some of the top categories in all of baseball offensively. They're first in runs. That's good. First in OBP. That's good. First in OPS. That's good. They are third in run differential behind the White Sox and Dodgers. And game one is tonight. And if you're going to go and watch this game out uh, at a at a at a club, maybe even a nightclub, maybe even a bar or a grill or a bar and grill, uh, why don't you make it Cork and Carry? Because our friends from the 108 are doing a live podcast taping at six o'clock. That's 10614 Southwestern in Chicago. That's the real South South version of the Cork and Carry. So that's at six o'clock. Though from the 108 guys, baseball, beer, and bullshit podcast taping. Uh, but it'll be Dylan Cease, who's five and two with a three three eight. 
and uh, Jose Erquidi with a four and three record with a three seven seven earn run average. So this will be a good test for the White Sox. They keep coming, man. This is a really good test because this is a team who's really good offensively, as you just heard me say, and they're on the road now. And th- th- that's something that the Sox haven't, you know, they, they failed their first road test with the Yankee series. They got swept right out of there. So I think it's important that they uh, have a good showing in this four-game set here. So uh, what, what are you looking forward to most seeing uh, in this uh, weekend series with the Astros, who are pretty damn good in their own right? I'm looking forward to seeing the team, like how they respond. I mean, I think this is Dallas Keuchel's first time back in Houston since they did not pick up his uh, deal um, or didn't give him a contract after he had to sign with the Atlanta Braves and the White Sox. So I'm looking forward to that. Him pitching, I think it's Saturday evening. Dallas Keuchel will be going against his former team. Um, I'm looking forward to this first matchup, Cease. Um, big test for Dylan Cease right here against a, against a good Offense lineup on the yeah. road. Yeah, this this will be one that, that we're, we'll be watching closely, obviously, and we'll break it down. We'll have it posted uh, at midnight on Friday morning. But yeah, that's 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 a good call right there. But you were talking about Alex Bregman, and yes, he had a non-contact injury. He did that happen in the the game he, on Wednesday night. Yeah, he had a quad injury running to first base. You know, you, you all these injuries, man, with these guys running to first base. He pulls a quad. It's not as serious as the Madrigal or Robert injuries. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I would think you're not going to see him this weekend at the very least. So that's a big bat out of their lineup that you're not going to have to contend with. It's every every team's going through it, man. And like I said, this World Series is going to be won by whoever has enough capable warm bodies standing at the end of the year. It sucks, man. Yeah, it does. But I'm looking forward to this series. I, I don't like the Astros. I don't know who does. But a good test for the White Sox. Come out with the split is all I'm expecting. A split. Yep. Just win 500 on the road. I'm not looking for three out of four for me to be happy. A split is where I'm at the maximum and at the minimum. It's the exact sp- same spot. Two wins on U- on the road in Houston. Baby, we're in. Yeah, I think the uh, the win against Tampa buys you a lot of equity in terms of like it, it, it you know, relieves some anxiety about the team in terms of how they fare against good competition. You know, you know I would love a split as well. Um, if, if they got a split, I'd be totally satisfied with that. But uh, the way they're playing right now, I mean, they, I would not be surprised if they go in there and they could take three out of four because who knows what that plane ride is like down to Texas after that victory today, boy. Like, you, you're now the best team in baseball and you walk it off. Like, you know, maybe they'll come out a little flat tonight. We'll see how that plays out. But, uh, you, I, you know, who knows how they're going to respond after this. Either they, they're feeling themselves too much and, you know, they get smoked or the, the, they go the other way and they just blitz right through them either way it'll be a good test and i'm looking forward to seeing it and we will have the breakdown posted at midnight tomorrow morning uh provided that the game is not still going on i have to keep saying that because uh it has not happened yet where we've had a game go past midnight since the uh the west coast series so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep saying that so is that not to torment the baseball gods so and i said saturday for keiko it is sunday afternoon in houston He'll go against his former mates. Yeah, you think why? That's why he thought it was so important that he got that good start against Tampa because he knows he can build on it and he knows he's feeling as good as he could possibly feel going up against his former team. You think he's jacked up for that one? Oh, he's going to be throw, <laughs> overthrowing the ball. I hope he pounds his nerves. <laughs> First time back in that spot. Doesn't like the atmosphere. Loves the players. Uh, really has animus for Jeff Lunau, who's <laughs> not there anymore. But 
hopefully he just understands that this is just another game and you know blocks that all, all out and builds on the start he had versus Tampa Bay. And that actually may change the way I feel. I, I think he did a lot for the way I see Dallas Keuchel in a possible postseason series. We talked about that the other night. If he comes out on Sunday and shuts down a really good lineup, that may complicate things. Uh, and, it, and it would be, of course, one of those. Sound like one of them good problems. Uh, in terms of where you put Dallas Keuchel into the fold in the postseason. So I'm looking forward to seeing I'm looking forward to all of it, man. I just uh, I, I just love watching them right now. The, the Sox are just playing just inspired baseball, and it's fun. Enjoy the ride, folks. Enjoy Enjoy the ride because it's already the middle of June, and it seems like we've we've gone through a hundred plus games already because of all the the emotional ups and downs with the injuries and the manager and all that stuff. But stop and remember where they are right now, and just be like, take a deep breath and be like, ah, socks are good again. And it took him a long time to get here, but but here they are, man. So that's all I got, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy the game tonight. Head out to Cork and Carry if you can. I don't know if we're going to head there or not. Probably not, but we're just showing love, and we would be there had we not uh, had obligations to break this post game down. So uh, head out there. I hope you guys enjoy the game, and we'll have the recap posted in the morning. That's Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23, the way you can follow me there. Our show is at Locked On Socks and 312-566-8727 is the way you can leave a voicemail, a voice message, and locked on socks at gmail.com. Should I pay so off wait. should I pay off the voicemail tease? I did bitch and moan yesterday. Oh, you did. Uh, yeah. I, and we got Ooh, one. Yeah, so we, good? we got one today, and I just wanna I just want Oh yeah, we did. I just wanna pay off my one tease. It's a good way to cap this show and to and to show that I'm like I'm you know, I, I walk it like how I talk it. Uh so we are paying off of the voicemail tease. Uh, 312-566-8727, 312-566-8727. And to end the show with this, this one came in during the game, after the game, from the 608. Series, Ryan Burr showing that he's got some, he got some confidence in him. TLR playing chess, not checkers, baby. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. From the 608. What a perfect way to end the show. 312-566-8727. That is Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining on this episode of Locked on Socks.